1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Joe Show.
2: Here we
1: are. You know, Mark,
2: I, I tell you, I think that this gets longer and longer each time. No. Well, maybe not, but it yes. sure Shucks. feels that way. No, it's fantastic. Your breath control, <laughs> the vibrato that's It's repetition, Dr. Joe. It's, it's
1: repetition. You know, the it, more we do, the better we get, right? It's Isn't so that... true.
2: We're going to be having a guest calling in from Nashville. Ria Frey, who is a world-renowned author um, who writes novels, thrillers, mystery stories, mm. and I am really, really looking forward to to digging into that. But before we get there, I just want to remind folks about the I am just just for a moment, because the I am is basically the idea that we're always doing the best we can. We are at a current maximum potential. I'm doing the best I can at this moment with the potential to change in the very next second to another best I can. It's influenced by four domains your home domain, the social domain, the biological domain of your brain and body, and what I call the IC domain. How do I see myself? How do I think other people see me? The I am is basically saying no one is sick, no one is broken, not an individual, not a system not a cell, not a country. We're always doing the best we can. It doesn't mean you have to like it. It doesn't mean you have to condone it. You're going to hold people responsible, just like we were talking about Purdue being held responsible. And it doesn't even mean you're going to be successful. And I think people need to come up with their own definition of success. What does success mean to you? But instead of judging ourselves and other people as less and broken let's look again at why we do what we do based on the influence of the domains and think about the words look again again look again to repeat something look like a spectator the I am is saying let's respect why we do what we do respect is what leads to value which is what everybody wants and I just want to spend a moment talking about why value is so important And I think this is why, because a million years ago, two million, three million, when we were evolving as a species, we weren't the biggest animal, the fastest or the strongest. We were these small, isolated mammals scurrying around, hoping not to be lunch. The beginning of humanity, we were prey. We were not the predator. We were the prey. And then we formed these small social groups. We began to come together As small communities we began to come together as families as groups that identified with each other as tribes and because we were part of a group that's when our our ability to survive just exploded our survival potential exploded and human beings are now everywhere but here's why value was so important because to remain part of that group to remain part of that group where you can access that protection, you have to contribute something. You have to have value. And that's why every person you've ever met really needs to be valued by someone else because it is a part of how they survive. That is what connection is. That is what relationships are. It's being in a relationship where you feel valued by someone else your limbic system, that emotional part of your brain can calm down and you can actually begin activating your prefrontal cortex, the thinking part. And planning, what do I need to do next so I can retain my value? Respect is what leads to value and value what leads to trust. And with trust, you can do all sorts of things. You can explore things, you can be creative, you can try things, you can make mistakes. And you know you're not going to be judged as less than and broken with less value and booted out of the group that's what the I am is is offering to people it's offering a way for you to feel valued to yourself and then you can also remind other people of their value and every time you remind someone of their value you increase your own value so that's that's really why the I am I think is so powerful for people because when you can begin really understanding why you do what you do you can change things how are you meant to change things and move towards your own personal definition of success if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing how can you do that so that's what i'm trying to hope you know people will will really begin embracing the i am approach this is who i am i am doing the best i can but I have the potential to change, always to change. And the I am becomes a roadmap to that change. And that's what we're doing. And what's cool is it it influences everything. It is involved in everything. Because the four domains interconnect, a small change can have a big effect. You don't need to change everything. And because everyone has an I am and they're interested in you and you can help someone feel valuable, you control no one, you influence everyone. You get to choose the kind of influence you wanna be. Ria Frey, are you on the line?
0: Ria Frey is, though I am in the mountains and I'm hoping you can hear me because I have like the worst reception on earth.
2: Oh, we can hear you. It's so great. I'm so glad that you decided to call in on our, are you on a landline? That's MI. Uh, Isn't this great? Folks, I just want you to hear that this is what we are really part of. We are still landline bound because some places don't have this Wi-Fi cell connection. So, <laughs> so welcome. So t- Thank you so much. I, I am so excited that you are here on the show. Tell us tell us about your, your your amazing, amazing... So your book that's just coming out, right? It's just been released, Because You're Mine? Is that right? Yes, on August 6th, yes. Congratulations. Tell Thank us,
0: you.
2: Tell us... First of all, uh, about...
0: Tell us what happens. <laughs> no, 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 Mark, no.
1: I'm the guy who grabs the thrill and I read the last page and then I start. No. Uh,
0: well, it's, it's literally you don't know what the truth is until the last page. So there you go. <laughs> all right, so I won't do that then. Good. It would ruin it. It would yeah. ruin it, yeah. So, so, so tell us a little bit, though, about
2: um, about you. Let's start with you. Tell us about you.
0: Sure. Um, Well, I am an author. I kind of always have been into writing, um, though I took a long way around to write novels. I went to college um, in Columbia for fiction writing. And then I quickly abandoned it to write nonfiction, and I was a journalist um, for several death row cases. Actually, I was a content manager. I was a I was an editor. I wrote for newspapers, magazines, and did all of these other things. But really, really wanted to write novels. So a couple of years ago, I actually sat down and got an idea for my first novel that came out last year called Not Her Daughter, and. Ended up writing that book in a month. That book wow. uh, landed me a two-book deal and kind of changed <laughs> changed my life. Um, wait, 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 Hold, hold on. Then. Did you say a month? A month? Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of one of those all-in type of people. I tend to be a fast writer, but I got this idea. For this book, I was working three jobs at the time and saw this exchange between a mother and daughter in an airport. And the book is about a woman who kidnaps a five-year-old to save her from her mother. Mm. And I saw this mother and daughter in an airport and, and was like, I've got to go home and write this book. So I quit wow. two of my three jobs that very week and I gave myself eight weeks to write the book and wrote it in four weeks. So if people don't like it, that's why. <laughs>
1: So were you that person who wanted to kidnap that child to get her away from that mother? You
0: know, I actually, I dedicated my book to her. I still think about her um, to this day, because I just, you know, I'm a mom, and I, I get it. That, you know, my first um, thought for the mother was to be empathetic to her, like, oh, man, we've all been there. But then, I, you know, I really started asking the question, is she, you know, is she a bad mom, or is she having a bad day, and who are we to judge? And then my second thought was, well, if she's... Actually this way in public being very like physically abusive for a child and what's going on behind closed doors so mm. being a mom myself i just found myself very protective and over this... a child that wasn't even mine
2: <laughs> but it inspired you yeah so that's it, it did, it really did. Can, can, do you mind if we, if we go a little further back yeah. in time? Because you know, one of the things—the way we organize the show around here—is around the four domains of the IM, and and you know, yeah, it's it's that we're always doing the best we can, but but we're influenced by four domains, and the home domain is an enormous influence. Do you mind telling us a little bit about your growing up years? Was there something that was going on there that influenced you to want to be an author?
0: You know, um, yeah, my dad. So my dad was a writer, is a writer. He's not published, but he really gave me the love of reading and words when I was a, a child. I actually learned to read with the TV guide uh, <laughs> back in the back in the day, the days of the TV guide and landline phones. Yeah, and landline and landline phones. Yes, rotary phones. But I, you know, I was just always. So interested in why people did the things that they did. I was a very observant child. Um, I did grow up kind of in a more fixed mindset, though. I was a, I was a very good student. I kind of followed followed the rules. And now, as I'm raising a child, um, you know, we're counseling her. She is in a total growth mindset, and I'm kind of re-examining the way that I was raised to raise her in a different way not because I had a a bad childhood I had a wonderful childhood but I'm really all about my husband and I both are all about just making our own rules and kind of creating a life that feels good to us and not living a life of rules that were set for us by people (laughs) who came before us Um, so it's been a really fun examining of my childhood and how it influences my writing and then also how it influences my parenthood with my with raising a child
2: yeah and you know the second rule of the i am that you control no one you influence everyone and of course our our homes are these enormous influences and that that's what i'm hoping our our listening audience will appreciate that they can reflect on how their home has influenced them but that doesn't mean you have to repeat things that happened in your own home you can absolutely you, you create your own you create your own and so this this was an enormous influence and, and and your trajectory then as you as you went through that childhood observing wondering why people do what they do how does that translate into the the types of novels that you write
0: Well, it's funny. Everyone thinks like I had the worst mother ever or, (laughs) Uh you know, I like that. I just, you know, I I was terrorized or something as a child. And it's funny. I think I, you know, I look at my childhood. I grew up, you know, my parents are still married. Uh, They've been married 42 years. Um, I had a very stable, loving home, but I'm interested in kind of our common fears as parents. Um, So my first book, I kind of examined kidnapping. And in my second book, I'm examining, you know, what would happen if you die and leave your child without a guardian. And then for my third book, which is about a blind woman who believes her three-month-old has been swathed. No one will believe her. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm really interested in kind of attacking these common fears that we have as parents, putting character in that role and then seeing kind of how they deal with it. Um, so I don't know. I just, I'm just i so curious um, just about I don't know about relationships with our children relationships with our friends and just kind of these what-if scenarios um that we hear about sometimes I think we think it could happen to other people that never to us and again I'm just I'm always I'm always so interested in just the human spirit and how we respond to crises and and what what kind of happens and what lurks beneath the surface so that's what I don't know that's why I'm constantly driven to as a writer
2: yeah and and you know this this fits exactly with with what we are always talking about you know why who we are and why we do what we do and it is it is such a rewarding question to ask because if you can figure out why you're doing what you're doing you have so many choices you can decide to continue doing it or not that's the only way I think that you can you can really make change is if you know why you do what you do. And so your explore, exploration of who we are as human beings, it must resonate with so many readers. They must love this.
0: That's That's my hope. I mean, I, I want it I want the characters to feel recognizable to them and you know, that they can really relate. Um, I mean, of course, it's fiction, so <laughs> you have to you have to go out there a little bit to kind of suspend um, your belief. But I, yes, I feel like I write kind of relatable everyday everyday characters um, that that is an examination of why we do these things.
2: And, and did you? take any psychology courses or anything like that?
0: I did. I minored in psychology in college, and I've, I've just always been extremely interested in, in the mind um, in general, and kind of how our past affects our future and how our thinking often prevents us from acting and then taking massive action is really the only thing we can do to change our lives, um, but we kind of live in this constant Hmm. things and staying in our comfort zones and um so yeah i'm i'm constantly trying to learn as much as i can and and studying the way that our minds work
2: yeah and you know we we have sponsors to this show who also are so interested in the way people's minds work because how else are they going to
1: like grab on to that potential buyer. Here's Has anyone come to try to do the screenplay of any of the books yet?
0: Yes. Yeah, so I got a film, I got a movie option deal before Not Her Daughter. My first book came out, and yeah. the, per, the production company wants to do a TV series, and they actually asked me to write the pilot for the screenplay. Cool. So that's kind of where we're at at the moment.
2: That's so cool. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank
0: you. And
1: that's the first book you wrote, the one that you sat down and wrote in a month. Yeah.
2: Right.
0: Yes, it is. So it's I'm I'm amazed. You,
2: you that's did... mind blowing to me. It... Totally mind blowing. It takes me a year to write a book. But, uh, granted, it's not not necessarily in novels, but but it's I am totally blown away by that that creative energy yeah. that you experience and are demonstrating.
1: But I'm also amazed by the fact that most people who want to write novels have one spinning around in their head from the from childhood. That they've been creating in their mind, and and usually that's the first almost biographical novel um, that goes uh, goes out there. So do you not have that spinning through the head?
0: So I actually did have that. Um, I had a novel that was published um, before I graduated college. Oh, cool. Called A Woman's Ring, and it was very. I mean, no one should ever read that novel. It's <laughs> it's, it's one of it's one of those.
1: Oop. One of those. One of
2: those. Did we? <laughs> I guess we. I Going guess I out? guess
1: we're gonna be held in suspense Anymore. of one of those.
2: Oh, we're uh, back. Okay. Right. <laughs> this was wonderful. This was this was one of those moments of suspense. We said it's one of those, and then we lost you. <laughs> and I thought
1: uh, so it was sorry. purposeful.
2: It was wonderful. That's exactly what happens in suspense and thrillers.
1: Mm. There so, you go. Uh, so it was one of those. <laughs> one of those what? Can't leave us hanging.
2: Yeah. What did you say?
0: Oh, one of... No! no. <laughs> this is
1: accent. We couldn't forget, guys. She's in the mountains. We, we could, could have, not script it. We could not
0: have scripted that better. <laughs> Rhea. Best work, yes. Uh,
2: okay.
1: It is not one of her best works. Not words. one, okay.
2: So I, I, we, were, we were also talking off-air uh, in between about, about this sort of um, uh, mind-blowing thing that you just sort of dropped on us at the beginning, uh, working as a journalist on death row folks, what is that?
0: Yeah. So I have always been interested in working with, um, kind of innocence projects. I worked with the Illinois innocence project. I worked with the Tennessee coalition to abolish state killing. Um, and of always loved uh, working with with inmates um so yeah i mean I've, I've worked several cases i've been advocates for family members i've written articles for newspapers i've spent the last day of prisoners lives um, right before they were wow. executed with them um so yeah it's pretty heavy heavy stuff
1: have you thought about writing about one of those scenarios mm-hmm.
0: I have, you know, so I want to actually have a side business that I run where I, um, work with authors who want to get nonfiction books published, uh, who want to get agents and land book deals. And I have about 22 clients. Um, and I love nonfiction, but the nonfiction is so much about that author platform and really building that up. Um, mm. so <laughs> I'm so focused on fiction right now, but but hopefully, one day I would love to revisit all of that material.
1: Well, is there a good fiction that is um, that is created through what you've learned that you could just adapt to a fiction?
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I definitely could. I mean, With I, I, I think
1: people, people would be fascinated yeah, by that. They uh, are fascinated by know, the whole they what is are. That
0: experience,
2: yeah. knowing. Yeah, I mean, you know, because.
1: Especially with the innocence type of of, uh, spin to it, the Innocence Project, where somebody is actually wrongfully accused, where
0: it It happens all the time. Yeah, yeah.
1: not as much though with the DNA evidence and all that coming coming out, though. No.
0: Sure. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so many people have been exonerated that have you know been on death row for most of their lives. So I think it's it's definitely better. But the judicial system is still yeah very very flawed, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a remarkable part about our human brain. W- with, when we evolved the prefrontal cortex, you know, which, which is the part of our brain that's a, able to anticipate the future, the unforeseen consequence of that was that people began to anticipate that their lives had a limited time. But you didn't know when it was going to end for the most part. Mm. But not if you're on death row. You know, I mean, yeah, that's you know. sort of you know. m- mind blowing to know. Listen, you know, even though there may be one stay, one stay, one stay of execution after another, at some point, this is this is your day, right? And that is not part of who we are as human beings. So that I'm telling you, that I think people would be fascinated. Mm. What is that like to be sitting there, knowing this is your last day?
1: How was that experience sitting with them as they?
0: Oh, oh it's, it's horrible. I mean, it, it's the most surreal experience to literally say goodbye to someone for the last time and, and then knowing they're walking in to take their last breath. I mean, I don't think anyone can really wrap their minds around that.
2: No. No. Do you think any, any of that experience has gone into your passion as a writer?
0: think so I think again it goes back to just why people do the things that they do and I'm so interested in how we are born as these innocent beings and somewhere along the way for some people they can take a wrong turn or be influenced or be in the wrong place at the wrong time um, and, and something terrible can happen um, so uh, yes I think, it, I think it constantly influences the type of characters that I write about
2: and so, you know, the second domain that we talk about uh, on the Dr. Joe Show is the social domain and how that influences who we are. And you're talking about the social domain of, you know, working with people on, on death row. And how do you think you're bringing that into your, your current novel writing? The You know, what are the challenges of, of doing what you're doing right now? Because I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who would love to be a writer, but I don't think they understand what that really means. You want to help them out?
0: Well, I mean, for me, for writing, I think a lot of people say, oh, hey, you should just do as much as you can. And I think that, that writers, if you want to be a writer, you need to learn the business of writing, because this is a business. Your book is a product to sell on a shelf to people. And I think that's really easy to forget. We think we're going to write a great book, and that's the end of it. But, I I mean, my biggest advice to aspiring writers is to learn about this business, to learn what it means to get published, uh, to read, yes, the kind of books that you want to write, to also engage with...
2: Engage (laughs) with uh, the mountains, the mountains. Rhea... Come on back. We're, we're sort
0: of in and out. Yes, I'm so sorry. Again, I'm, I'm in the mountains, which is exactly where my second novel takes place, because I have a bookstore signing here, and I cannot get reception in this entire city.
2: Well, for the most part, it's fine. What is that, the Smoky Mountains?
0: It's, uh, yeah, the part of the Smokies and then the Blue Ridge Mountains.
2: Well, the smoke seems to have interfered with some of the reception, I think you go sorry mark is making a face if you can see it <laughs> um so yeah i i agree i mean that the business of writing this is a real thing julie silver who is a professor or assistant professor over at harvard has a course every year for people if they want to go to it about writing and the and the business of writing and I, I highly recommend people go to it they can check it out but it is more to it this is part of your writing right now isn't it being on the dr joe show
1: it is indeed this, is, this is the promotion
2: piece. this is a promotion piece. Right. i mean that's what i i found when you know after writing you know my books it, it was much more intense doing the promotion afterwards you know otherwise you just got to put oh, it sitting on the shelf yeah
1: right. you
2: know but the the difference was that you know what you're writing is so appealing to people and that's part of what i want to talk about as well why do you think thrillers mystery suspense why is that a genre in and of itself?
0: I mean, I think people want to be in suspense. They want to feel uncertain. I think it, this genre plays on a lot of worst fears for some people, and they kind of want to read about what they would do if they were put in that situation um i like this genre because it's not just a straight thriller it's not all about murder it's actually about the relationships between the characters and there's some emotion in it too so,
2: so that position no I, i'm telling you because uh, you, you, you cut out a little bit, but there is a wonderful, wonderful irony to this. <laughs> There's it's one a a cliffhanger time. after another <laughs> with you, Rhea. It is just so. What were you saying? That wh- wh- when did we cut out, Mark? I, I don't know. More or less. Oh, that that w- we did not just have a, a, a blank on there. So, Rhea, let's let's go back about what that, about this suspense and why people are so interested in that, because it is part of our human brain
1: we are so but do they want to be stressed is that what they're looking for like they're they want that added adrenaline stress of yeah i
0: think that
1: i think readers
0: want to feel something you know i think they want to put themselves in the predicament of a character and kind of figure out what they might they might do I think it's an escape from everyday life honestly and I think it's a form of entertainment yeah Um, but 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 in suspense it's a little bit more about the relationships with these characters and not just kind of a straight thriller but you you have elements of relationships which I think is good
2: right uh, but, but so different than a romance novel right were, or, you know, Very or, much so. or, or some, you know, thing where, where people are just violent and shooting each other up all the time. There is something so appealing about being able to figure out this mystery. I mean, think about, you know, Arthur Conan Doyle and the Sherlock Holmes novels. Why were those so remarkably productive and, and iconic now? Because you're faced with this dilemma where you have to use your brain to figure something out And find the solution and I tell you that that is so appealing to human beings because we are designed to solve problems that's what our brain is designed to do it's designed to feel a lot of things but part of it is designed to solve problems and what better than having a mystery and a thriller where you're never sure but so you're saying that with with this book it's not until the last page
0: it's literally the last the last couple of pages um and i have not had a single reader guess the ending yet which has been shocking oh. to me but um yeah my goal was when you get through the whole book kind of knowing the truth if you went back and read it again it would almost read like a different book Interesting. so that was that was hard to construct but it was it was super fun it's super twisty and um there is a sociopath <laughs> in the book so that's kind of where the psychology comes into play so that was that was interesting kind of writing from that perspective of okay. one of the characters
2: Ria can you tell us a little bit about the plot line uh, of the book
0: sure this is this is a little bit of a, a complex one it's not like a one line book unfortunately but i always say it's kind of about what happens when four girlfriends head to the mountains for a quick getaway, and one of them dies Uh-oh. and leaves their child motherless. Mm.
2: Yep, that would certainly
1: capture quite a few people's attention. So are we trying to figure out how she died or how the child is yes, going to deal? We, it,
0: the book actually starts with the death. You just don't know who, who has died. And then you actually find that out about halfway through um the book is told from three different points of view um three different characters and they're all hiding something when the book begins so you kind of all these kind of secrets and paths come to light and the big takeaway i wanted the reader to have is how well can we ever really trust our friends Mm. um so it's just kind of a fun a fun little little kind of one one clue after the other one mystery after the other one secret after the other until the shocking conclusion
2: Wow and and there's a, a catch line that that I've heard in in your uh, pitch statement what, what's the catch line about truth and
0: yeah so the the truth will set you free but the lies will keep you safe
2: yeah, isn't that a The lies great... will keep you safe. Yeah, the truth will set you free, but the lies will keep you safe. Mm. I think we should spend a couple of minutes talking about that. Where did that come from, Ria?
0: From uh, <laughs> lots of... There, there's, a, there's a very um, secretive character in this book um, who is hiding who they really are. Um, so it kind of of happened organically but it really sets the stage for the entire novel um and again i've been so lucky that no reader has guessed who who this character really is and what they're really hiding so it's been really fun to try to be sneaky um mm-hmm. with the reader and and that was kind of where that came from to begin with is just seeing if i could construct something that no one would guess the truth so yeah.
1: when you when you start to write, do you have that, that um, ending in mind, or do you kind of formulate it as you're writing it?
0: You know, this one was very tricky because when I sold the two-book deal, I had no idea what the second book was going to be, yeah. and yep. it started off very differently than where it ended up. So it changed several times, and then I kind of had that aha moment with one of these characters, and then that just kind of took everything to...
2: To where it is now yeah so you you said that you were lucky I I have a a phrase you know um, I've worked hard to be this lucky and my my I like that guess is that you have as well that this is not luck this is master craftsmanship in terms of how you write Uh, is there a formula to writing a, a thriller
0: Well, now, you know, so I always recommend this book, which I did not use on my first two books. I wish I had known about it, but it's called Save the Cat Writes a Novel, and it is based on screenplay methodology. There's a book called Save the Cat, which is the 15 beats to write a screenplay, and Save the Cat Writes a Novel takes those 15 beats and it applies it to any genre of a novel, which is incredible. So you can flip to your genre and know exactly how to lay it out. So it will hit kind of those best-selling beats um, for best-selling novels. It'll hit the beats for a best-selling novel. Um, So you can actually kind of map out like almost to the page if you wanted to get that specific. And I'm using that methodology going forward um, just so you're not writing blindly or you, and you kind of know where you're going. I've always been a pantser <laughs> versus a plotter, and now I'm, I'm much more into building the roadmap so I know exactly where I'm going. Hmm.
2: And as we're, we're coming to the last like seven or so minutes of the show, the I am approach has two rules. The first is small changes have big effects. So what small change can you recommend either to people who want to be writers so that they can potentially reach that goal? Do you have a small change that they should make?
0: A small change? Well, I think a lot of people just want to be published. I mean, that's that's something that they want. They just want to get the book out there. And I would say to study the books in your genre that you want to write and see if you can really study the formula, see if there's a formula to these books, and and just kind of study and do your homework first so you can really build up that craft versus just wanting to be published or putting your stuff out there to begin with. I think, I think doing a little bit of homework, um, that's not such a small change, but I think being really intentional about what you're reading and and what you're writing is is a good little tip Hmm.
2: and then the the second is you control no one you influence everyone what kind of influence are you hoping to be with your books
0: you know I just I really want to make people feel something honestly um I just want them to connect and maybe maybe relate to some of these characters Um, In my personal life with that question, I'm really trying to make my own rules and live my life the way that I want to. And if that inspires others or empowers others to go do what they want, that's fabulous. But I think kind of making your own rules and staying in your own lane um, to focus on what you want is really important.
2: And can you talk a bit more about that? Because that taps right into the fourth domain, the IC domain. How do I see myself? How do I think other people see me? We've spoken about the other domains. So what, what does this mean? What, what is living by your own rules? What are the rules? What is the vision?
0: Yeah, okay. I mean, I think a lot of us, again, we kind of buy into a set of rules that were given to us by our parents or our culture or community. And I think that you really have to examine what it is that you want with your life and how you wanna live And we really, my husband and I really discovered this when we took our daughter out of school. She wanted to homeschool. We were like, okay, great, let's try it. And the moment we did that, it was like this whole new world opened up to us. And we really realized that we can do things that feel right for our family and for us as individuals. Uh, We're not all one size fits all. And that means in your career and the way you live and where you live, and how you live and i think if we could all just really focus on ourselves and what we want versus you know constantly looking at social media or comparing ourselves to other people i think that you could just live a very enriched fulfilled intentional life because you are focusing on the right thing
2: and and does that also include some sort of social awareness and a social responsibility when you're living your own life that way or is it you know as you say staying in your lane and not really being involved in a community
0: I mean I think community is so important and you're not always gonna be surrounded by like-minded individuals and I, I think that's very important to, to be around people who do challenge the way that you think or feel but I think if you're doing if you're living your life to please other people then you're never going to live a really, truly intentional life for yourself. So I think there's a balance. I think, you know, we're all aware of how other people see us, but at the end of the day, what you think of yourself is very important. Um, But of course, community is important. I mean, finding that community where you feel like you belong, but just making sure that you're not living your life to please other people.
2: Yeah, I I think that's so true. And I I, I think... I think one has to be true to oneself I'd like to think that the more you understand who you are the more you can absolutely help other people live the lives that they want to live I mean we don't need to be in these these silos all the time and that's part of, of you know we haven't really spoken about the biological domain much but but we have been alluding to it because this idea of sitting and reading and being immersed in, in a world that you, Rhea, create, that's a remarkable experience. Mm. I
0: mean, it's, it, it's amazing. <laughs> it's the most amazing thing in the world, especially to have readers. I'm so, I mean, writers are nothing without readers, writers are nothing without that community. And to think about that, like people are sitting around feeling something, whether it's a good emotion or a bad emotion from a story that came from my head or any writer's head is just such an incredible feeling and it's the most amazing job in the entire world
2: so so tell it we've got just a minute or so tell us about that feeling what is that feeling
0: oh it's it's so it's crazy i think sometimes i sit back and like wait is this really happening um and thanks to social media again i'm not a huge social media person but it has been such a wonderful um it's just been a wonderful thing to have readers constantly, you know, taking photos with with your with my book or you know, leaving reviews or reaching out to me personally. and it's, and you know I do that for for writers too, and and books that have really touched me and reaching out to authors. I love how accessible authors are in today's world. I think that is very cool, how connected we all are. Um, and again, to inspire someone or to, give them some sort of entertainment is is just amazing um so it's a it's a fabulous
2: feeling yeah and that's that's part of controlling no one and influencing everyone you choose the influence you want to be how exciting is that um a couple of weeks ago um mark uh did a pan mass bicycle ride and he was talking about gratitude and the feeling that he had as other people felt gratitude I wonder, do you experience that when people come up to you
0: and say, Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. I mean, this, this, is, this business is so based on reciprocity and, and being grateful and constantly being in gratitude. Again, I am always thanking my readers. I, I mean, it's, I'm so in awe that they spend their money on, on my books or talk about my books or share that experience and it's a it's a constant 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 state of gratitude um and again i think readers are more important than writers in terms of of just letting us do what we do we could not do it without the people who are reading these books so it's it's everything
2: so, Ray and our last minute, how do people get the book?
0: It is available wherever books are sold. It's um, in bookstores. It's even in Target, Walmart, and Costco, um, which is cool. Um, you can also get it online. But it's so great to support independent bookstores, especially while, while they still exist. Hopefully, mm-hmm. they'll always exist. But um, I always encourage people to walk into a bookstore and actually buy a book if they can.
2: And also, Not, not Her Daughter your other book.
0: Yes. It is, it is, and that is available as well in all of those
2: lovely places. I want to thank you so much for truly, truly making it's this a wonderful show. Uh, and I am not in suspense anymore. I'm just, I'm elated. Thank you so much for being on the thank Dr. Joe so Show. Thank, thank you, Raya. Thank you so great, much. Great, great luck with the, the book. <laughs> Can't wait. Thank you so much. Okay, bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All
0: right, bye-bye.
2: Folks, we'll be back next week. We'll see you then
0: them go
1: stretch the cam-